Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You're very welcome to Monday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Brand new week of the show. Well, it looks like the storm is blowing out at long last. Storm Debbie. God, the winds were fierce. They really were. But I have to hand it to the authorities. They got it spot on. The uh, timing of it, uh, the way it went through the most difficult times. And of course, that it would be easing as the morning has gone on. And it's blown its way out into the Irish Sea and beyond. Hope you're all safe and well. Uh, yes, there are a lot of people without electricity. We understand understand that uh, if there are trees down or anything else has happened in your area please do as I always say let us know and we will tell everybody 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text gets us on the show as usual let's talk about climate the weather to begin today with a very good friend of ours he's Emeritus Professor John Sweeney climate expert thank you for joining me again on the show John was this just simply a storm we shouldn't get too hung up about it should we no, oh, it, was, it was a very typical uh, winter storm and um, uh, it was one which was very hard to, to predict because it wasn't your usual big depression in the middle of the Atlantic. This was a secondary depression that formed to the south of, if you like, the main depression in the Atlantic. And it, as such, it whistled across us very quickly, but it deepened very quickly. And that's a very hard thing to, to make forecasts about. But I think, uh, in all fairness, as you say, uh, Meteorn got the projections right in terms of the speed with which this would deepen, the trajectory with which it would take. And and a a lot of the concerns, of course, were because we were having a direct hit off this small depression as it it deepened and passed over us. So uh, that's a very hard thing, as I say, to project. But in a sense, um, I wouldn't like to read too much more into it in terms of climate, I think this was just the kind of typical winter storm that we've we've had over the years. Um, we named it, of course, uh, Debbie, and it was the fourth storm um, of this particular storm season. Uh, and that's the only thing that really is a bit surprising because um, uh, having four storms so early in the season is a bit unusual. We only had four named storms in the whole of last year um, in terms of, of the storm season. And we only have on average about eight. So if you like, we're a wee bit ahead of schedule. But I wouldn't, again, read too much into that because years come and years go where we have lots of storms and hardly any at all. It's not necessarily something that's a nice regular occurrence. So um, I think the, the problem this year or the problem with Debbie, of course, um, was that uh, in some parts of Ireland it coincided with the the high tide, especially mm. in the area of Galway. And it was the storm surge, the high tide, and the wind which really did the damage rather than 
in many cases the wind alone, although of course we're very vulnerable, as we now know in Ireland at the moment, because uh, our ground is saturated, the trees are probably in a bit of a, a soft ground in some areas, and a lot of them still have leaves on. So uh, you can you can see why so many of them were blowing down over the last uh, 24, well, over the last 12 hours or so at this stage. But um, other than that, it's, um, it's the kind of storm we have to really anticipate happening over the winter period. Um, <clears throat> the first three of those storms... Uh, if you remember Agnes, Babette and Kieran, they were coming from, from warmer waters uh, a wee bit to the south and to the west of us. Uh, I wouldn't read too much into Debbie, although the name is interesting because, of course, uh, many of your older listeners may even remember Hurricane Debbie, which was way back in 1961. Uh, and that was a real <laughs> hurricane uh, <laughs> storm affecting Ireland. It, it has still shaped many of the coastlines of the West Coast. Uh, but it was a very different beast altogether from what we had last night. Uh, it was a much stronger uh, and much more potent storm that time. But it's one of the landmark events in Irish climate, um, uh, Hurricane Debbie, uh, because of uh, the memory it has left in older people and also because of the um, mark it has made on the coastal landscape as it travels up the West Coast. So we have two Debbies, if you like. This was a straightforward, um, today was a straightforward winter storm, um, secondary depression, um, but of course in, in 1961 it was a much more tropical beast and a much more potent storm as a result. I think I just arrived into the world at that stage, John. <laughs> that was my, my birth year. So uh, I take it my, my, my folks kept me safe and sound from that one. But John, you're right. It, it, it is a sequence of winter storms. But the other thing is this. I've been talking to um, men who've been working in the, uh, the land, farmers for many, many decades, and they just say at the moment they've never seen anything like the uh, the sogginess, the wet, the water in, in the land. Is that more a, 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 a sign of uh, you know climate change. Yeah, I think we we can say that we we know that Ireland is becoming wetter as well as warmer. I mean, we're about seven percent wetter in winter now than we were thirty years ago, and we had a horrendous uh, wet July, if you remember, and we had a very wet autumn as well. So the land is very soggy indeed. Uh, many of your, uh, your your farmers up in the northeast there might have been potato growers, and of yep. course they're suffering catastrophic losses because of the water table almost being up at the surface and the, the damage it's doing to their crops. So we have had a very wet spell. It, it wouldn't be unique, but we can expect, that I, I think, uh, as a consequence of the Atlantic Ocean being that warmer as well, that any air coming off the Atlantic is going to bring more rainfall to us. Uh, it's going to cause wetter, uh, wetter seasons in general, but particularly in the winter and spring. And um, what we've been seeing, I suppose, over the past few years has not contradicted any of the projections and models that were made 10, 15 years ago about the future of Irish climate. We know it's, it's on course to change. It's changing as we speak. And uh, we have to come to terms with the fact that this is the price we have to pay for, for not tackling climate change in, in, in a more robust way. And it's only going to get more, more extreme in terms of uh, especially rainfall and temperature as the years proceed. So there's no escaping from it. But I wouldn't like to tag 
um, th- this particular storm, uh, Debbie, if you mm. like, to all of that, because we will always have that kind of a, a winter storm coming along every so often anyway. And th- the jury is out at the moment as to whether we will get more frequent winter storms uh, than we did in the past. We, we know if we get a winter storm, it's going to be more productive in terms of rainfall. Um, but there's a lot of other factors at work in terms of where the jet stream moves to or doesn't move to as the earth warms up. But um, unfortunately, what we can say is that any extremes are going to become more severe in the future. And most probably, the the extremes of temperature and rainfall are going to become more frequent as well. In a general sense, uh, before we finish up, I know you were talking to uh, Louise earlier on and you did mention, uh, you know, you talk about global matters that really do impact on uh, the climate on our planet. Brazil, the change of government, the rainforest, you're encouraged by what you hear is happening there. Yeah, I mean, there's good news and bad news from Brazil. And the bad news, of course, is that it's suffering quite a severe drought and uh, especially in the northeast. And that's something we understand happens when we get a strong El Nino in the Pacific. We can almost project which parts of the southern hemisphere um, are going to go into drought or into uh, into floods. And uh, we know that there's a fairly brutal winter probably happening, or going to, a brutal summer, I should say, probably going to happen in Australia but we know also that there's a, an extension of, of the dry season happening in Brazil, partly as a relation uh, in relation to the El Nino event. That's the bad news. But the good news is that um, the, the deforestation of the Amazon has slowed up quite considerably. And that's largely due to the change of government in Brazil and, and the uh, more careful um, husbandry and minding of the rainforest that's now going on under President Lula. So we know that um, this year, for example, it's only about a quarter of the deforestation that was happening uh, in, in the average year five or ten years ago. And that's good news. Uh, it means that perhaps we're, we're not going to see that tipping point of the Amazon um, occurring perhaps quite as soon as we might have feared five or ten years ago. And that tipping point, of course, would mean that the Amazon becomes a net contributor in a big way to uh, global um, greenhouse gas emissions rather than uh, a sponge which which soaks them up. So um, uh, it's not all bad news. And and, uh, it shows you that when people get their act together and when there's proper leadership, uh, dramatic changes for the for the good can occur. And that is a positive note on which to finish today, John. Thank you so much for your time as always. Really do appreciate it. Okay, Jerry, all the best. Take care of yourself. That's Emeritus Professor John Sweeney there uh, talking about Storm Debbie that has just blown through and climate change in general. Do you remember, Louise, we were talking about, well, we'll remind listeners, we were talking about the snack you caught me. Do you know the purple snack yeah. from uh, Cadbury versus the club milk? Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a great old crack about that and I tasted them and I got mixed up, etc. And in the end, I did sort of find out which one was the purple <laughs> snack. You did get it right. I did end. in the end. But look, Despite my trickery. Uh, 
yeah, what arrived into us, I meant to mention last week, was a mm. box of purple snacks and the yellow snacks. Yeah. Uh, we were absolutely thrilled to get them. Now, we don't box know who snacks. sent them in to us, but I have a suspicion it may be a lad called Damien Cabana. Damien might have something to do with it. I'll throw that out there anyway. Perhaps somebody is listening or he's listening himself. And if it was you, Damien, thank you so much indeed. We really do appreciate it. It was lovely, wasn't it, mm. to get them. And mind you, Louise, who loves the club milks, she wasn't uh, hesitating taking a, a few purple snacks or yellow ones either. Why not? <laughs> Why not, as they say? Anyway, thank you if it was you, Damien. We really do appreciate it. Oh, she's gone. When I start crying, <laughs> that Bravo man won in England. Um, I don't call her. What's her name? Suella. Suella, yeah. yeah. I, I call her something else that rhymes with Suella. Hmm. Right, I won't say it on the air. Uh, anyway, what a bit of work that one is. Sacked by Cameron, uh, by uh, by Sunak earlier today, who's brought back David Cameron, the former mm. British he's Prime Minister. Did Lord. you see that? So uh, he can take on yeah, the Yeah, and he's he's uh, he's back as Foreign Secretary. Cameron, the man who uh, capitulated to the right wing of the Conservative Party and gave them that vote on the dupe that was Brexit. He's back in government. Um, general election, I'm sure, can't come quick enough hopefully for the British people next spring. Uh, And that crowd are consigned to the annals of history. Farewell, Suella. We miss you. I just wanted to say that. Nice ring to that. Make a song, Mm, I think so. Could make it. Farewell, Suella. Could make a tune. Um, Anyway, I won't tell you what category I drop it into, but I have a good Mm. idea. Um, The the storm. Okay, the storm. Let's go back to the storm and Storm Debbie uh, today. And last week, do you remember I was in touch with you one evening? Our power went out one evening last. It was Wednesday. It was Curry Wednesday. That's right. The power went out. No curry. I was in the middle of making the curry. I had the chicken. I was browning the chicken. The power Mm. went off and it cooled. It didn't come back for about an hour. No way. They wouldn't have it at home. I had to um, give Messi one of the finest dinners he ever had. He had all the chicken from our curry. We gave it to him the next day. Couldn't use it. They wouldn't have it. You know when you it, it goes to a temperature and then it drops off and then the power came back on. See, I wouldn't have known that. Uh-huh. Oh, I, would listen. Have, I would have cooked it. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Especially with chicken. No, 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 you kill the world. Stop. Don't tell me that. I'm getting shivers down my spine now. <laughs> if you're at chicken and you can't cook it right through and you have to leave it an hour and it cools back to reheat it again, well, you just uh, wipe out everybody inside. Okay. The dog was delighted. He had the greatest dinner he ever had. And he was fine. Yeah, 15 quid worth of dinner for <laughs> chicken for his dinner. Anyway, uh, the power went out. But you know one thing that struck me? We weren't prepared. We had mm. a few candles. We had a, a half-working flashlight. And I had nothing to continue the cooking on. Mm-hmm. So You need to get yourself a little gas stove. I'm going to, with yeah. a proper ring on it, that, that can take over. Mm. I just feel, to say to everybody, make sure you're well prepared. Mm. You know, with torch, candles, be careful with those. Chargers. Uh, Charge, yeah, yeah that's I was caught this morning. You were caught this morning, yeah. weren't you? With a power outage, power cut went at 10 o'clock, yeah. and I hadn't actually charged my phone. Fully. There you go, my laptop went dead. Yes, yeah, so no harm to things. have a backup to your phone, you know, that little power pack or something to mm. have one of those to charge your phone early in the day in case something happens. Well, who knows when the power goes off, but uh, I really feel this has brought it home to you and yeah. I about being ready for, John was saying, expect more winter storms of that as well, potentially more power outages. We've got to be prepared. That is the message. Well, and I wasn't, but I'm working on it at the moment. I said. What do you do with the full freezer then? Well, the freezer's fine. An hour is fine. Oh, but like, I don't think our electricity is meant to come on until six o'clock this evening. Leave the door shut. Leave the freezer shut. Mm. How long will that be then you'll be out? Say it didn't come back at six o'clock. What time to go off? Eight hours. 
anyone out there uh, help us with that one I help Louise eight hours power outage leaving your freezer fully shut is everything okay in the freezer after eight hours that's an interesting one we must mm. follow this up how long is food okay in a freezer when the power goes down that's a good question anyone help us out there 086 and what happens if because if this happened to me in the summer the, yeah. the power went out for say 8 hours yeah. then it came on for something like 6 and then it went off again for another 8 so mm. what do you do there we're going to follow up on this mm. one anyone got a suggestion out there 086 1800 658 by whatsapp or text let us know coming up after 2 Leslie Richards and Eva Murphy are joining me two local mums to tell me about their wonderful children and how they've been so strong in difficult circumstances but taking us up to top of the hour at 2 it's Mr Philip Linnett and Old Town on your late lunch We're going to hear two remarkable stories now on Late Lunch. I'm delighted to welcome to studio this afternoon, Leslie Richards and Aoife Murphy, who are mums to two wonderful children, Alana and Zach. Welcome to the show, girls. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Sherry. Good to see you both. Look, I want you to tell our listeners your wee stories about your children first. We'll start with you, Leslie, about Alana. Take us back. You were living in Australia. Yes. When was was this? What year? Uh, I went to Australia in 2007. Okay. So um, I met an Aussie in 2002. He came back and lived with me in Ireland. Um, and then I moved back to Australia in 2007 and lived there until 2016. Um, he suddenly passed away. But there's a backstory to this even. Yeah. H- had you any children? You were home in Ireland at the I time. I was home in Ireland at the time. Had your children at that I stage? I had one child and I was pregnant with twins. Okay. Was and was that child pregnant. with you in Ireland yes. at the time? What's yeah. a, what's Charlie okay. is my oldest. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Charlie was here with you in Ireland. Yeah. You came over on a holiday. What was your husband's name? Cameron. And he was fine and you leaving? The- he was fine, yeah. And I got a phone call from his sister to say that he'd passed away. Suddenly? Suddenly, yeah. So he died of a heart attack. Basically, he was he was fine. But um, yeah, he was gone what overnight. Age was he? he just turned 40. It was three days after his 40th birthday. Um, yeah, my life, I suppose, changed <laughs> dramatically overnight. Um, I was 13 weeks pregnant with the twins. Charlie was three and a half and I had to move back. I had to move back and get support from my family. Um, we went back to Australia, um, spent three weeks over there. We had his funeral. We had to sell up everything. And I moved back and um, settled with mum and dad for a while. And uh, yeah, and then Alana had the twins, uh, emergency section with the twins, because the little lad, uh, his heart stopped working. What's so his name? Cameron. Okay. <laughs> ah, There's a little bit of a link there, isn't ah, there? <laughs> isn't that a link for sure? God yeah. bless us. What a time. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, they came uh, four and a half weeks early and um, other than that, they, w- they were fine. They were in ICU for a little, little while, but um, they came out of it and moved home and looked after them with the help of mum and dad and my family and friends who were amazing. And, uh, yeah, grew up healthy, normal babies, no issues with them. And then suddenly at 13 months old, it was March 2018. It was Paddy's weekend. Um, Alana had struggled. She was struggling to breathe. So I took her straight into um, the Lord's Hospital. Her heart rate was over 200. 
they couldn't bring it down. She was on all sorts of oxygen support and they came to me and just said, Leslie, we're going to have to transfer her to Crumlin. I hadn't a clue. I thought the child had pneumonia, you know, um, and they intubated her. While intubating her, she had a cardiac arrest and then they they revived her and took her. We went by ambulance up to Crumlin and within a couple of hours, uh, she was diagnosed with severe heart failure. Hadn't a clue. <laughs> Where does it come from? Couldn't believe it. Couldn't understand. Couldn't comprehend that my little child, who was so well, had heart failure. You know, and the next day, the doctors, the surgeons came in to me and said, listen, she's going to need a heart transplant. So <laughs> I at, just... At 13 months. At 13 months. I couldn't understand it. Just couldn't understand how it had happened because she was a perfectly healthy child. Um, but she had contracted a lot of everyday viruses that um, attacked her heart, basically, and caused her left ventricle to enlarge. So they went on for another three or four months. She was touching uh, three or four weeks where she was touch and go. Um, she was on dialysis machines. She was on so much support um, just to keep her alive and try and take the fluid off her. That was the biggest problem. And then they made a decision to move her over to Newcastle. Freeman Hospital in Newcastle because there is no donor programme here mm. in Ireland uh, for Little Hearts. So we got flown over um, to Newcastle and she got further treatment there. She had a tracheostomy which was to take her off full intubation and allow her to try and live a normal life while she was waiting for a heart transplant. That went on for another number of weeks and we deci- they decided that, right, she needs... Um, she needs further treatment, which was she had an implant. She had an LVAD, which is a machine that acts as a heart. Basically, it sits outside. It's like a bypass machine. It sits outside and it pumped the blood in and out of her body. And she was on that for weeks on end. And every day she would be clotting because of this device. And the surgical team would have to come in, stop whatever surgery they were doing, come in and suck the blood clots out of Alana. So each time they did that, they could see that her heart, her pulse was kind of holding. It was getting stronger. So they then uh, decided to do a stress test on her, which basically meant that they would turn the machine off at different intervals and see how her heart would hold. Uh, they did that over 20 minutes, but she was clotting so much that they were afraid that the clot would do the damage to her in the end. And she went into surgery um, and endured a 12 hour uh, surgery and came out of it. And she was good, very sick little child still but her heart looked good when they examined it. And that is still her own heart? Still her own heart, yeah. Um, and she had sepsis and that after. She contracted a lot of other crappy things. <laughs> the child went through the mill. Oh my as you God. well know Aoife. <laughs> um, but yeah, then weeks later she just, well not even weeks, I'd say a week later she was starting to take a turn. She was starting to sit up, she was starting to eat, she was smiling again Um yeah, just incredible. She's a miracle. You know, she's an absolute And no miracle. transplant. No transplant for her. In her the own heart. Her own heart and her own, own heart is functioning 100% now. A miracle. She is a miracle, yeah. Alana miracle. is six <laughs> years old today. Yeah. And doing really well. Yeah, absolutely. But the point is this. She couldn't have received that treatment here in Ireland no. at the time. What no. about now? No, no still, still no. There's no still, yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. So that's part of the story that we wanted yes, to tell. Yes, I know, well. and that's yeah. what you hear today. And we're going to pick yeah. up on that in a minute. 
I sit here in awe of you when you tell your story about what happened, you know, to your husband in Australia. Yeah. And how how did you get through that? I just did. I think I have this this inner strength in me that I had to survive. I had to each day I lived for each day. That's that's all I did. I didn't go past the next day or the next day or the next day. It was just each day, every day, living in a little bubble when you're in hospital and you're surrounded by so many other sick children and other families in the same situation as you, you, you find comfort in it and it, you, the strength in that, you know, so you don't feel so alone. You don't mm. feel so alone, mm. even though you look out the window and you see people walking by and you go, geez, you've no clue what's going on in here. There's all these little sick children and a lot of them didn't survive, you know, so I feel very, very grateful and very blessed that. Our children, our children are are here and they're healthy, and that's that's why we want to give back. So, what age are the day? Alana's the twins are six. Alana and Cameron are six, and Charlie is ten. So, good stories. Good stories. (laughs) What fantastic, uplifting story Mm. that is. It's really incredible. It really is. Let's bring Aoife Murphy into the conversation. She's here with you today. She's your sidekick in terms of this (laughs) whole push to to, uh, help Crumlin Hospital. Aoife, tell us about you and Zach, please. Okay, uh, so Zach is nine. Um, He is basically, he's a boy, beautiful boy. He lives with half a heart. I found out at 20 weeks uh, gestation that Zach had a multitude of cardiac anomalies and at the time I was 25 and I was um, well they offered termination and I refused Um, they offered me a second termination when I was 24 weeks pregnant when things were starting to look a bit worse my mommy was with me at that uh, appointment Uh, again I refused I was actually living in London at the time Um, after that appointment I moved home and with to live with my mom and dad and um, obviously to get their support. It's my first baby and I was having a sick baby. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I, I met up with Dr. Professor Orla Franklin, who is Zach's cardiologist, and I met uh, his clinical nurse specialist in the Children's Heart Centre, who went through <clears throat> basically what I was to expect when Zach was to be born. So she brought me through the ICU, well, the cardiac ICU, because in the children's hospital, they have a separate ICU for the cardiac children. And it was um, it was very daunting to see the little babies in there. Anyway, they Zach was born on the 20th of October 2014. And he went to Crumlin. I was still in the coom. They couldn't discharge me at, the, at that time. Um, it wasn't until the next day that I got to see him and they did his first um, his MRI just to see what they were looking at. Zach also has something called dextrocardia. So his heart is on the right side of his chest, which made surgery going to be that bit more complicated. And they found out he had more wrong with his heart than they had initially seen on the fetal scans. Um, I was uh, I was told there was a 20 percent chance survival and I was offered to place him into palliative care where he'd comfortably slip away and he'd be gone within the first week of life. Um, And I remember battling with myself, figuring out, like, do I go for the surgery with 20 percent chance survival or do I let him pass away? I remember I think it was about half seven the following morning, my mom and dad walking in and I decided I was going to let him die. I couldn't put him through that if he wasn't going to have a fighting chance. Um, 
it was obviously a very hard decision to make and my parents crumbled like I did too. Um, <clears throat> after we had that talk, the team walked in. They'd had this conference, they call it the JCC, they have it every Thursday. And they had smiles on their faces and I was like, why are they smiling? Like, <laughs> my baby's going to die. And um, uh, Zach Surgeon, Professor Mark Redmond looked at me and he just did a thing with his hands. He was like, this is what we can do. And I swear, Zach could have been a rugby ball. I was going to throw him at him. <laughs> Zach had his first open heart surgery when he was four days old. His heart was the size of a walnut. Um, Professor Redmond was able to get Zach to a stage where he'd be safe enough to do the first stage of surgery for the condition that Zach has, which is called hypoplastic left heart syndrome. So the first stage of surgery is called a Norwood and Zach was too weak. He was never going to survive that. So he came up with a procedure that he knew was going to get him to that. Uh, to date, Zach has had 33 general anaesthetics. Um, four of them were for life-saving life open heart surgeries. I spent many a night in that children's heart centre with Zach and what Leslie has organised here with the fundraiser is, is so important. And that was in Crumlin? Oh, all in Crumlin. All in yeah, Crumlin. Yeah. It's important to say that you didn't have to leave the country. No, I didn't. Uh, no. Yeah, this is all of Zach's care is here. Yeah. Was here in mm-hmm. So from the depths of despair, looking like, as you said, you were going to have to arrange a funeral. Yeah. Me and my daddy were having that talk. This little boy. Mm-hmm. With the help of wonderful people. Mm-hmm. Who, yeah. Pulled through. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. How is he? What, what, he? Today he's nine years of age. How is he? We call him Wacko Zacko. He's uh, <laughs> honestly, he's so full of life, and he he's so much got so much love in his heart. Honest to God, and he always says, "I love you with my whole half a heart." And we always say, "For a boy with half a heart, you've never met anyone who loves as much as he does." He's such a gorgeous little human. Do you know what you're doing today? You're breaking our hearts. <laughs> Never mind half a heart. Just sit there for a moment, will you? I have to come back to this wonderful story. Aren't they incredible? What children, what wonderful children they have. Leslie Richards and Aoife Murphy are with us today. We're talking about Alana and Zach. We're back with you in a moment. Leslie Richards and Aoife Murphy are with me on Late Lunch and they've been telling me their remarkable stories about their children, Alana and Zach. I just wanted to ask both of you in turn, Leslie first, uh, about Alana. Do they live normal lives? Is there medication involved for Alana? How is she getting on? Alana is, uh, her heart made a full recovery. Okay. So she was discharged from Crumlin uh, just over a year ago. Okay. So she's on no medication. None at all. Perfectly normal life. Full of guff, you know, <laughs> a lot of sass, probably like her mom a bit that way. I'd say. <laughs> that's, you know? the, that's the thing now, you know. What's yeah. in the cat is in the kitchen, Jerry, isn't that right? <laughs> so they say. Well, what about Zach? He'll be on medicine every day for the rest yes. of his life. Um, he's he plays sports as he go, he does what he can. Mm. Um, some days he's more tired than others. Naturally, he's only got half a heart. Yeah. He's not able to keep up, mm. but he does what he can, and he's unreal. You want to see him do the moonwalk? Yeah. <laughs> we call him Michael Zaxon. <laughs> Michael Zaxon. Michael Zaxon. <laughs> your stories are remarkable. Their stories are remarkable. And of course, you, you're all an integral part of it. Your families as well. Um, ha- have you other children? I do. I've got a five-year-old. Yes. Who's free to a good home for anybody listening. <laughs> <laughs> never heard that before. In jest, in jest, she's saying it. Don't be messaging me in, giving out about Eva Murphy or whatever. You're fantastic, the pair of you. Um, 
Okay, so the 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 whole premise of this is that Crumlin and what Crumlin did for both of you, and in, in, as I said to you earlier on, uh, uh, Leslie, a little bit couldn't do because of you having yeah. to go to Newcastle for specialists. But yeah. at the end of the day, Crumlin have been so brilliant in both your cases, and now Absolutely. you're giving back. Yep. You want to raise one hundred and fifty thousand for what? It's to support three uh, D visualization programs for cardiac surgeries. So what that means is the what will happen is it'll it'll take a 3D image of a heart. So as um, <laughs> Hi, my name is Aoife. Aoife. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Zach's heart when he was a baby was the size of a walnut. Yes. Mm-hmm. So this will allow it to take an image of that. The doctors through um, VR technology mm. will put it on and can go in and examine a heart before they have to open up a child. Okay, so it's this is... It's revolutionary. Yeah, massive. It's, it's, it's massive. It'll be the first. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. In Ireland. And it's going to help lots of other lots children of other and children. families. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they can preempt difficulties and complexities with surgeries that they couldn't do before. Which is simply wonderful. Now, mm. 150,000 Villa Saints is a huge total, but listen to me, folks. Do you know what they've raised already? They're over 90,000 and it's growing still. So you're nearly at the 100,000 mark. And I just want to mention today if you're listening to us today and you just want to donate four euro, four euro, come on, it's not much. All you have to do is text the word Crumlin to 50300 that's Crumlin to 50300 and you will give 4 euro come on folks we can all do that it's simple and it's an easy way of giving but you were out the weekend I see in the local shopping centres how much did you get in the the shopping centres so we were we had uh, Sunday in Navin and Saturday and Sunday in Scotch Hall and we raised over 4,000 aren't people great huge support unreal Unbelievable. But so many people come up to us and share their stories yes. of their own um, their own personal stories or their own children that had been through the heart centre and wanted to give back. Yeah. So it was very touching. Absolutely. I yeah. am one bit surprised. Now you have a, a big gala evening coming up. Uh, yes. But the bad news is on the 25th of November there's no tickets left. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sorry, you can't come. Isn't that great? It is fantastic. Isn't that wonderful? And that's another big push in fundraising towards the total of 150. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that's, we've got nearly 300 attendees, which is predominantly female mm-hmm. so it's it's part of our Gaelic for Mothers and Others community and we've uh, corporate sponsors and, and families and then a presence from the Heart Central government as well Lovely, lovely so It's going to be a massive night It's going to be great fun Yeah, Really good great fun Great cause uh, We've got Hugh Cal as our MC on the night Great man Yeah um, There's goodie bags for everybody that's going There's going to be entertainment It's just going to be a real great buzz we're getting loads of messages here <laughs> saying that people are just bowled over by the pair of you. I, Thank you. Uh, if I start Thank reading you. them, we'll be here till the end of the show. I'm not going to do that. Thank you. We're, we're getting Thank all your you. good wishes. Keep them coming to us. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. They want that number again. So it's simple as this, folks. Here is the number you need. I will give it to you again. You text the word Crumlin. Crumlin. Yep. As in hospital. Crumlin to 50300. That's 50300. Four euro. Come yep. on. Come on, come on. Let's get it going out there. Let's do this four euro thing. You'll make a huge show difference. your big heart. Yeah. Yes, please, please show your big. Yes, heart. that's the name of the campaign. That's the name mm-hmm. of the campaign. That and tonight we are um, we're recording a song. Yeah. Um, and we'll be going live with that as well. We're hoping we're really chancing our arm and try to make it a Christmas number one. <laughs> <laughs> We've re- rewritten the songs to a lyric. Okay. Uh, rewritten the lyrics to a song. So that's that's the plan. We'll help you here. Thank you. We'll help Thank you, you on LMFM Radio. I promise you that. Thank you. Brilliant. We'll push it for you. So we'll Thank be back you. to you on this one. You, you have made the start of this week so special <laughs> on Late Lunch on LMFM Radio with your Thank stories. You. Leslie Richards, Eva Murphy, your children, Lan and Zach, all your children and your families. You're wonderful, wonderful people. And I have a song for you two today. Oh, thank you. (laughs) This is especially for you because it sums up everything you've done for your wonderful children. It's Mr. Labby Seafree and Something Inside. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Jerry.
remarkable children, remarkable mothers, remarkable stories. Yes, indeed. Thank you for all your lovely words for Leslie and Aoife, who were with us just before the break there, speaking about their children, Alana and Zach. I'll just read one. It just sums up what's coming to us. Oh, I really hope those two brilliant children, Alana and Zach, have long and happy lives. What an inspiration they are. What an inspiration their mothers are. God bless them, says a listener. Thank you so much for all your kindness. Coming our way to 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text this afternoon. Now, just reminding you, at Christmas, just around the corner, six weeks today, six weeks today, we'll be talking into the turkey. This coming Friday and Saturday, the Frostival Winter Festival is taking place in Dundalk. Oh, it's wonderful. It's great it's back again this year. What a schedule they have. The Carnival of Light Parade, the annual Christmas tree lighting ceremony and the illuminations, of course, and that Christmas Artisan Fair and Family Fun Zone will be located once again this year at the Market Square in Dundalk on both days. For more information on this wonderful weekend in Dundalk, please check out Frostville on their Facebook page. Now, we're staying sort of in uh, mid to north loud with my next guest because, you see, he uh, lives in Dremiskin. He's a native of Stabannon and he's involved in the tidy towns in Dremiskin, I know. But he works for Fingal County Council. And when I tell you that Kevin Hapney has been awarded a prestigious World Urban Parks Distinguished Individual Award, it's a big, big one. He's the uh, Fingal County Council Senior Parks and Landscape Officer. And he joins me on the line. Afternoon, Kevin. Good afternoon, Jerry. Congratulations on your wonderful award. Oh, thank you very much. Very much appreciated. Now, it was announced in Australia. Were you out there for the ceremony or not? Unfortunately, Jerry, uh, this time I wasn't able to make the uh, the World Congress. Uh, it moves between the Northern and, and Southern Hemisphere year on year, so... Uh, sometimes I've been able to attend, but unfortunately this year didn't uh, didn't work out. It didn't make a whit of difference in absentia to be winning an award like this. And I read all the lovely comments that were, uh, you know, said by the various people about you. Well, well done again. I just want to say that to you. Tell us a bit about yourself. How long are you with Fingal County Council? Um, with Fingal since it was formed in 1994, and then previous to that I was with the old Dublin County Council uh, for a couple of years before it uh, divided into three uh, in 1993-94. In and then um, previous to that I worked uh, as a Parks and Landscape Officer in uh, London, in Islington, and then before that again I worked in Dublin City uh, Council, which was Dublin Corporation. Uh, joined them in 1985, uh, straight out of college. So, mm. um, 38 years plus uh, working in the park services and uh, public park services yes. here in, in the UK. And you are a landscape architect, I have to say, and an environmental engineer. When you mentioned Islington, I was over there last Wednesday to cheer on the Gunners. I'm a Gunners fan oh, myself, and Islington is a lovely borough. I'm quite familiar with it over there. You're hardly an Arsenal fan, are you? Uh, well, not quite, but I, I, I do recall the uh, the excitement uh, when Arsenal was playing. And yes, some of the, some of their celebrations after matches actually had an impact, uh, negative and positive, on some of our parks <laughs> of at the course, time. Of course, of course, of course, of <laughs> course. Uh, yeah, they enjoy their parks over there. They, they, they do, and 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 up around Highbury. Yes. 
Yes, and that's what I love. Like, there is a big emphasis on public spaces and that, and you've taken that with you uh, through your lifetime as as well. Some of the um, uh, the projects that's mentioned in the context of yourself, uh, Kevin, are the likes of Bremore Castle, the Shackleton Gardens in Clancilla, and the Ward River Valley Project in Swords. Uh, and, of course, then the Ballamastone Recreational Hub in Donabate. They're all your babies. Well, I'm privileged to work on a team uh, with, uh, and those are major sort of uh, key projects that were were progressing. Uh, Thankfully, uh, Shackleton's Garden, the restoration of it, uh, which is an important plant collection in Clancilla, that's that's, uh, completed now. And uh, we're uh, involved then in the other projects in progressing the Embrim or Castle has been the the full restoration of a medieval castle uh, as a centrepiece of a 200-acre park uh, on the northern outskirts of Balbriggan. And then Ballymastone is is really uh, a key project for us. It's a major recreational hub and combining all weather facilities uh, and play and skate parks and various other amenities. uh, adjoining new, uh, new a large new housing area in Donabate. Mm. Uh, and then the Ward of the Valley is really a, a work that we've been involved in uh, over the last so 30 years, really assembling the land bank, which now exceeds 200 acres, uh, right in the centre of uh, the county town for Fingal, which is Swords. Mm. And uh, we're going through a master planning project of that, and we hope to bring that through the statutory process next year. Very good. And, you know, like uh, you mentioned all those areas there, uh, people really looking to live in those places because of the proximity to the city, proximity to work as well. And it's a thing we're seeing here, of course. Uh, you'd be familiar with Dundalk and Drogheda in County Loud, Navin in County Mead, big urban centres, lots of development, houses going in here by the new time, especially I'm very familiar with the north side of Drogheda where they're really building a new town. You know, in the context of that, this is what I wanted to ask you when I had you with me. Is there enough thought goes into recreation, facilities, leisure, when planning has been granted for housing and other such things? I think, Jerry, I think it's, we're getting better at that. We're getting better at integrating amenities and open space uh, into housing development uh, through the planning process, principally through the county development plans and more locally than local area plans. They, when they're when they're done properly, you can you know align the provision of uh, facilities, outdoor amenities, with housing and with other commercial development. Uh, but that's where it really springs from: is good uh, urban design, good planning at uh, at county level, at county development plan level. And I think Fingal, I think uh, which I can speak for, uh, has has been to the fore in trying to do that mm. uh, and trying to to look forward and get you know, the the right land uh, in the right place and the right services uh, in, in, in alignment with the housing. We don't always get it right, but I think we're getting better at getting it right. Mm, because I know it's uh, one thing you really champion is urban biodiversity. In other words, the, the combination of, of humans like ourselves and where we live with nature and trying to work in synergy and work both together. And you know yourself, if there's not an outlet, if there's not facilities for people... I don't have to remind you or anyone else the outcomes. Absolutely. Uh, that, uh, that whole concept of green infrastructure planning, where you know the benefits for, for humans uh, living in urbanised settings also you know, doesn't exclude biodiversity, doesn't exclude nature. Actually, it provides for nature. So we're trying to design 
uh, open space. So it's relevant across a number of le- levels. So it might be your safe route to school, but it also is the area you go for your run in the evening or, or a picnic on the weekend. And at the same time, it's designed and managed in such a way that it encourages wildlife to, to thrive, not just to survive, but to thrive. And um, that's the thinking we have, that the two things aren't mutually exclusive at all, that good urban planning and good uh, nature-based solutions and good green infrastructure can be designed around people, but also around biodiversity. Yeah, well said. That's uh, so important to bear in mind and be the focus of attention as uh, places that we know. And you, of course, in Fingal are well aware of the expansion that's been happening, as I mentioned a few moments ago. And uh, you went to Dundalk CBS. You're from Stabannon. You're living in Dramiskin and Dramiskin, the tidy towns. I think I can see your little imprint down there, Kevin. Well, I hope uh, it's a great bunch to work with, I have to say. Their enthusiasm is infectious and it's enlightened self-interest for me as a local resident to try and, and do my bit and to help out as, as far as I can. But um, I'm the, uh, you know, nothing happens without the enthusiasm of the board of management there. Yeah. And uh, they're brilliant people to work with. They've, they've, um, they've made my, uh, they've enhanced my life a lot in terms of just uh, you know, I draw a lot from them in terms of their enthusiasm. So, um, any any contra- contribution I can make is well matched by the by the team there, and uh, they're 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 brilliant at getting projects. Yes, and that's what I like to, to involve myself with. Mm, you've mentioned teams several times in the context of your work through your life and with Fingal and with the people in Dramiskin as well, and it's really important to that you say that too because it, it is a team effort but at the same time I have to say they're very welcome in Dramiskin your expertise and experience as well I will say that for sure um, you know to be on the world stage and I looked at others who've uh, you know been uh, awarded with accolades recently in Australia it's some achievement Kevin well it's it it goes right back to when i i got involved with with parks and and goes right even beyond that when I was very small and my parents encouraged me to get involved in planting things and planting vegetables and planting plants and uh I became you know interested in that and that that transferred then into my my professional career where I was involved in the Irish landscape Institute and then with uh, world urban parks and I got an opportunity. Uh, you know, to the encouragement of of my 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 peers, I, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants, as I say. That uh, you know, to go to 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 get involved in 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 world urban parks and to uh, you know to go go to conferences and present on what we're doing in Fingal and in Ireland, and then uh, that uh, led me on to being European chair and. I did that for five years, and then uh, I'm currently chair of the Climate Change and Resilience Committee. So, you know, pe- people want, uh, you know, groups want, uh, such as World Urban Parks, they want to hear voices from uh, a diversity of, of of countries, and uh, I was uh, privileged to have that opportunity to, to be involved in that way. 
and uh, thankfully and, and surprisingly for me it uh, transferred into getting uh, yeah. this award worth speaking about. Well look we wanted to acknowledge you here on your home station today LMFM Radio I congratulate yeah. you on the award Distinguished Individual Award 2023 uh, from World Urban Parks Kevin it's been a pleasure chatting to you I, I, I just get it you're grateful appreciative and such a humble man well deserved thank you for joining me on the show Kevin and thank you so much, Jerry, for this opportunity. Not at all. You're very welcome. Continued success to you in Fingal and Dermiskin too. Thanks for joining me, Kevin. Take care. That's Kevin Hapney there. A wonderful man with a marvellous achievement. John can't wait for Christmas. He says he hopes everyone in LMFM is on the good list. We are, Louise, aren't we all on the good list? We're always on the good list here. Actually, there are the me turkeys this morning, so I've to uh, sorted sorted that out. I uh, made a phone call earlier on, and that's sorted for Christmas. Um, 007, Road to a Million, the ad there, I've just listened to it. I believe it's fantastic. It's on Prime. If you have Prime, or you can watch right. it. I hear it's fantastic. I'm oh, getting great Prime. recommendations. Do you have Prime? I think it's on a stick thing I have. Yeah, I think. <laughs> Did I say that? Yes, yes. Anyway, uh, I have Sky TV too, to be honest with you. Anyway, um, aren't I lucky? Uh, what was it to say? Did you hear about the lion in Italy? Did you yes, see the story? Escaped. Yeah. Ladis- I reckon it was sabotage. Well, he was with the circus in Ladispoli. It's just north, I think, of Rome or near Rome. And he got out and he was wandering in the streets. Everyone was in lockdown. <laughs> Everybody, there's a pussycat. There's a pussycat in the streets. You're all right. <laughs> Jeepers, could you imagine coming across? You'd be gone. You would be gone. I'd be gone. Uh, oh. oh, gone, gone. Yeah. Never seen again if you came across a lion. I'd be panicking even at the thought of it. Yes. Now, there you are. They still allow animals in circus in Italy mm. not allowed in Ireland not allowed in Britain other countries as well so it's raised this whole issue again anyway the poor line they tranquilised him the poor devil and he's back and there he was looking dumbly out of the cage at people mm. you know and so when they tranquilised him the lion sleeps tonight <laughs> So he was down for a pint. He was looking for the Wednesday club. <laughs> anyway, we are heading up to the top of the hour at three. Emmy Adenuga's with us later, included on a list of women who changed the world. We have our new top five countdown. But on the way to three, Louise, how many times does he say it? I don't know. I'm Googling here and I think between 54 and 74. OK. So- Listen, don't know. We'll have to count. Listen carefully, everybody. I want you to count the number of times Mr. Bill Withers says, lovely day. Are you ready? Here we go. And I know it's going to be a lovely You saw the pair of us in here as Bill Withers <laughs> sang Lovely Day. Did you count it in your head? I was counting it with fingers. Your fingers. Yeah. I was actually doing a little tick list as I showed you. Okay. Mm. And our listeners, you know You're what? You just, you just love late lunch <laughs> listeners. 25 times he said Lovely Day, says Myra. Mm. Mary from Dunlear says he says it. 30, he said Lovely Day 36 times. Somebody else says 106 Oh, says Irene, uh, 112 times. John uh, says it's 112 and somebody else says 54. OK, so how many did you get? Well, I got a total of 114. I think you're wrong. 
No, I know you're wrong. I absolutely know you. I don't know where you got 104. Okay. And I think 112 is too is too large. Now, listen, it's done in three blocks in the song. So I do agree with you. The first, the first two. two times in the first two couple of verses, uh-huh. I think is 17 each. Would yeah. we agree on yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, he does absolutely. Lovely Day 17 mm. times. But it's when he picks it up towards the mm. end of the song I and did keeps lose it going. I think you lost. I think you lost on your little, <laughs> on your little digits there. I think you lost. It. <laughs> I reckon, and I was doing the tick list, that he said it 55 times okay. at the end. So that brings 55, 17 and 17 to 89. Okay. So I think that 89 is the figure. Now, I stand to be corrected. When you Google it, there's no, it's not there. I can't find so it. So we couldn't Anywhere. Google it. So not I a, said to Louise, Google. I yeah. said to Louise, so we could just talk to Dr. Google. No, she yeah, says no. it's not there. So that's why we were doing, anyway. if saw Louise and the, Louise and the figures, can well, you pick, picture this and me doing the ticks? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what kind of a pair? Tingers and fix on l- <laughs> no sorry, fingers and ticks on late lunch this afternoon. Amazing, isn't Not it? Not an abacus or a calculator <laughs> in, in sight. sight. We did it the manual way. God brain. We're gonna power. have to do it together together. Yeah, we'll go, go back we're, to we're it, gonna though. go back to this again. We're gonna go back to this. That's a big disparity. Again. It is a big disparity. hundred and fourteen, you say hundred and twelve, I say eighty nine. It's not as low as twenty five or thirty something. I think uh, Eddie in passing said he counted it one day and he thought it was around eighty two. Yeah, I think 89, I'll say there. Anyway, we will uh, do this definitively one day on the show <laughs> with our abacus, for sure. <laughs> anyway, thanks for joining in the fun of this, this afternoon. Anyway, today we're giving away a 50 euro Love Drogheda gift card. You can get them online from uh, lovedrogheda.ie, lovedrogheda.ie. 220 local businesses you can spend them anywhere question today on late lunch is Millmount on the north or south side of Drogheda it's on the south side Bernie Kinsler that's your 50 euro voucher and I love Drogheda card it'll be ready for you we'll organise that shortly I have more to give away this week and we have across the station here on LMFM love Drogheda cards and at that time let's do this 5 4 3 2 Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The number five from 1995. And it comes from the album Something to Remember. An atypical type of album for this lady because it involved ballads. And it was co-written, this song, with Canadian musician David Foster. The lead single from the album. And when I tell you that number five in 95 was its highest spot on the UK charts. Mind you, it sold over 300,000 copies copies uh, while it was on the chart in the UK. That's some number. It really, really is. Anyway, it's from Madge herself. Yes, the number five from 1995. It's Madonna and you'll see. You think that I can live Without your love You'll see You think I can't go on Another day Madonna and you'll see Number five in our top five countdown from this week in 1995. And we'll bring you 4321 over the coming days, round about this time on your late lunch. 95 times, 100 times, 107, 106. Oh my God, we're going to have to come back to a lovely day with Bill Withers and definitively put this one to bed forever. I promise you we will. Thank you to everybody who's joined in the fun. 
Greta Thunberg has been named among a group of 133 women who've changed the world in 2023. But on that list too is Yemi Adenuga. Yemi, congratulations. Thank you so much. <laughs> what an achievement to be named by Diversin.com as one of the 133. I'm sure you're over the moon. I'll tell you something. I'm still pinching myself mm. and asking myself, is it real? Um, am I sitting there along these incredible women who are doing fantastic things to change the world? And for real, I am there. And I, I my phone hasn't stopped ringing uh, since it was announced with young women, wheat women, wheat migrants, so calling and saying, you truly are an inspiration and we're glad to see you there. And, you know, I actually am really proud of women of Navan and women of Meat who have also called me and congratulated me and sent me messages and that they feel really proud that I'm a Meat woman who has been recognized in such a manner. So it really makes my heart glad that Meat is recognized on that map um, of women who are doing incredible things and that Navan especially is also recognized on that map and I'm, pr- I'm delighted to, to be representing Navan and Meath and Ireland, indeed Ireland on, on that global scale. Well said, uh, Yemi. When you arrived here, you know, but you were born in Nigeria as we all know and you came here in the yeah. year 2000, the millennium year, 24 years it'll be uh, next year. Did you ever expect your life would uh, evolve as it has? To be honest, I didn't, Um, but I had a a vision in my head of what I would love uh, Navan and Ireland to become for me. I didn't know I was going to live in Navan at the time. I arrived in Ireland in 2000. I was living in Dublin. Mm. So, of course, I didn't know I was going to come live in Navan, but I moved to Navan in 2004 and straight away I plunged in because I I fell in love with the town of Navan. I would be that person to be the first to raise my hands and say, oh, there's, there are volunteers needed here. I'll be like, yes, I'm there. Or we need people to do this. Oh, yes, I'm there. And it, the reason was because I wanted to make Navan home for myself and for my family. Um, yes, the name Adenoga is originally a Nigerian name, but I wanted it to become, you know, an Irish name somehow. Do you know the way? And, and to be synonymous with Navan. And today, even as we were blessed to have been the family that the first, first represented um, Navan on Gogglebox, and um, the Adenugas are synonymous with Navan. When you say the Adenugas, it's, it's from Navan, representing Navan. So for me, it was, um, it was a huge achievement to have been able to do that. And it's because I followed my passion, my passion of women and young people, and my passion to make a difference and just to empty myself and pour of myself everything I've learned in my life because of my background where I was told as a young girl, a little girl of 13, that I would become a nobody. And that because my mother had only girls, that they will all end up selling them their bodies. And that's what we're going to be good for. But I wanted to turn that story around and just show that nobody has the key to your life unless you give it to them. You can write your own life story and make a difference just following what you're passionate about and not just talking about it, but doing it. And when I like, moved to, to me, to Navan, I just wanted to also make an impact 
in the town of Navin, like working with young people. I go to the schools all the time. I've worked with over 6,000 young people over the last couple of years that I've lived in this in this town and in Meath as well. I'm blessed to be able to speak at the um, the Shine Festival, which is one of the biggest festivals for young people across Ireland. And I think this year they had about 3,000 young people. And I've done that over, I think, three or four years in a row. And that in itself is a blessing. And also being able, as, a, as an elected public rep, being able to make a difference um, for people in the town of Navon, whether it's roads, whether it's health, whether it's housing, wh- whatever it is that the needs are, when people come to me with their issues, just being able to step up passionately and say, your issues matter. I mean, over the last four years, I think I've, I've dealt with over 600 people um, in terms of people looking for application for the medical cards and having needs, over 300 people for their children's school grants or other educational issues, over 400 people for their passport applications. I think I've put in all, over 1,400 representations on different issues and just seen results that some of them can be challenging, they can be tough issues. But for the ones that I get the results, my heart is glad that I'm able to make the difference in my town and make a difference for the people of the town and for different ethnic minority backgrounds mm-hmm. and to serve on different boards as well, whether as chair of the board um, in Ardry, I'm chair of the board um, of management um, on culture, I'm chair of the board, I'm on the board of Colossian Me. I mean, I serve in different capacities, yes. capacities and that's me immersing myself mm. into the town. Oh, you have made your mark for sure. I can see it now, Yemi, in the same uh, breath as the, <laughs> the Kellys and the Murphys. It's the Yadanugas now. I see it. I see it myself. Listen, <laughs> I have to leave it there today. Congratulations again and thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you so much. And uh, thank you very much for the honour as well. Not at all. You're very welcome. Take care. That's Yemi Adenuga there, named among the 133 women who changed the world in 2023. But an honour that is. And it's been an honour to be with you right through the afternoon. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive here on LMFM Radio. We're back with Late Lunch tomorrow, Tuesday at 1.30. Join us then, please. Have a lovely evening. Take care of yourselves. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.